the writing team is so critical to everything that we do because when we are repurposing video content or audio content, it always starts with the writing team because the writing team consumes content and then they will write what, you know, they will come up with the tweets, the social content, they'll pick out the teasers, they'll write blog posts, loads and loads and loads and loads of writing that takes place. You know, Adam Brown, it's so interesting. We talk so often now on this program about video content and multimedia content and how social has shifted in that direction. And obviously it has. But even if the ultimate piece of content in social is quote unquote video, somebody still got to write the script, right? Like it's, it, you know, it's, it, it's writing first and then whatever it is after that. And I think our guest this week, Amy Woods from Content 10X, really nails how important writing still is in social success. Amy really articulates it. It all starts with a spoken word. And, you know, it's funny. I tell this to my colleagues. I tell this to, uh, to people coming into our industry. I talk to college journalism and uh, communication students. They're like, hey, should I work on my video skills? Should I you know, work on this? No, you got to create words to create clauses, to create sentences, to create paragraphs, to create, Jay, where we always end up stories absolutely right if you can't if you can't write uh with the written word it's going to be awfully hard to create an amazing uh video and amy talks about that in this episode as you'll hear in the intro to the show uh, amy and her team also do a lot of the production of the social pros podcast so it's great to have her on the show i am jay bear from convince and convert he is adam brown from salesforce we're delighted to have you with us here as we cross the 500 episode barrier uh, on social pros. One of the things that ties into this week's episode is the new report that Salesforce put together, the seventh edition of the State of Marketing Report, where they surveyed 8,200 marketing leaders across 37 countries worldwide. One of the most fascinating statistics in that report is some 80, I think it's 80%, Adam, of marketers have changed their content strategy they since have. the pandemic. It might have, might have been eighty-eight percent. It was some ridiculous percent um, have changed their content strategy since the pandemic, and and most of people uh, those folks want their content to be more effective and more efficient and more successful. And that's what we talk about in this episode with Amy Woods is is how to take your idea, repackage it, repurpose it, atomize it, and get it out there on social so it reaches an audience. So what you need to do as a companion for this episode is download this report, the State of Marketing Report. Go to bit.ly slash State of Marketing Report. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash State of Marketing Report, all lowercase, from our friends at Salesforce. Also a friend of the show, Amy Woods from Content 10X. She's back, a repeat guest here on the show. Thanks for joining us. We couldn't do the show without her and her extraordinary team. She has forgotten more about how to repurpose your content efficiently in social media than most people will ever know. She is back on Social Pro. She is the chief executive officer and founder of Content 10X. She is Amy Woods. Amy, welcome back to Social Pros. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. <laughs> we always love speaking with you because... Uh, as I mentioned there, you and your team do all the production work on social pros. So Adam and I and Anna 
and our guests just kind of show up and talk. And then all the magic happens with your crew at Content 10X with the audio editing and making Edwin and I sound much better than we actually are. Much better. And then creating all the flotilla of graphics that we use to promote the show, uh, whether it's uh, audiograms or videos or LinkedIn images and Instagram images and Instagram stories and all this stuff. It is a ton of work. Plus, putting to the show up on the actual um, uh, podcast feeds and, and creating the, the blog post show notes. It's a ton of work every week. So thanks so much for what you do. Oh, well, no, thank you so much for working with us. And it's such a pleasure to work with you guys and on such an awesome show as well. So we enjoy it. <laughs> thanks. And, and you work with a, a lot of other content creators mm-hmm. uh, to help them take their uh, podcasts or their videos or their other sort of longer form content and chop it up into smaller, more bite-sized pieces. Talk to us a little bit about what the state of the repurposing uh, industry is now. I'm sure you are consistently confused and befuddled by algorithm changes as we are on this show as well. Things that used to work maybe don't work as well, and you're always trying to uh, to shift and, and play the game. Uh, how's it going today? Yeah, I think, um, I guess the, the content repurposing world, it's it's really just the content world, isn't it? Because, you know, we are we're repurposing content, but it's all just new forms of content, new pieces of content on the different platforms, trying to um, trying to fit in with them. So I think, you know, it, it's all about us making sure that we're always staying platform specific. So I think it's um, it's never a case of, being able to just take one piece of content and then cut and paste it over to another another place, so, and it's it, so it's a lot more about being really respectful of all the nuances of the different platforms and even within the platforms themselves. You know, you've got Instagram, but then you've got the main posts, you've got Instagram Reels, you've got Stories, you've got um, carousels, you've got guides, you've got you've got live, you've got so many assets and so many you know facets of one platform and so I think in the repurposing world it's um largely for us and and what we try to do is make sure that we don't have this kind of single strategy that we just do this one thing and put it in all these different places but um we're trying to look at why are people on that platform what kind of content do they want and how can we take the the message of you know like one format of content and then turn that into something that's actually going to work on another platform so that there's lots going on lots of um platforms kind of mimicking each other as we've seen as well with you know tiktok and reels and things like that so um that can be helpful sometimes in terms of uh, some content is a bit more is a bit more cross platform than others but it's largely about you know just staying with with what works and not having a one size fits all approach really Amy, you just said something, at least to me, was quite profound. One of the topics that Jay and I often talk about on the show is this idea of certainly you need to create the right content for the right social channel. I think we can all agree on that. And I think we can all agree that most shrewd social media practitioners are indeed doing that. But you went one step further. You said you need to be thinking and considering even how you use specific content for different things. And you mentioned a library of different types of content on Instagram, the different content types. Talk a little bit more about that and, and maybe some of the things that you have learned specifically about Instagram and what works where, when, and why. 
Well, yeah. So, you know, for example, as I, as I just mentioned, so we're really seeing that Instagram Reels is um, extremely popular and that lots of people are going to Instagram and just getting stuck in the reels as well they're quite um hard to you know you kind of go down a rabbit hole I hear lots of people say that they just looked at a few reels and then half an hour later and they were still there so um that's completely different in terms of the platform is a bit more it's a bit more like TikTok and um what we're seeing is that you're not when you're looking at Instagram reels it's the place in Instagram where you're not just seeing your own content so you look at the main grid or you look in stories and you see the people that you follow and you see their content so you're choosing what's put in front of you whereas you know with reels you're on instagram but you're actually being dished up content from lots of different places it is some of the people that you follow but then you're getting the opportunity to see um content that they think you will like that you don't necessarily follow which is unusual for Instagram because usually it's just what you follow that you will see so um we see that people are getting loads more views over there you know and a lot more engagement and things like that happening there so that's just one little um island on one platform that is behaving very differently to what we've seen in the other places on the platform so that content is more like TikTok so we can see that we can use similar content across platform but then um I suppose another example so um, you've got the main post and on Instagram, the other thing that we see that works really well is carousel posts. So not just a static image, but where you're putting in a selection of images and sharing a little bit of a story and a bit more engagement and people can kind of swipe along and look at the carousel. Well, like that works quite well on LinkedIn as well. So they have a document post feature. So you upload a PDF document and it's a selection of images and it displays just like an Instagram carousel. So you, you can't do a one size fits all approach, but you can look at the features on platforms that are quite similar and look at ways that the story that you shared in an Instagram carousel could be a document post on LinkedIn and things like that. So it's it, I guess it's just looking at how you can weave the strategy that you have for a certain part of a platform and can an aspect of that strategy apply to these other platforms as well for example on twitter twitter threads work well and get a lot more something like 60 percent more engagement than a standard tweet um, so if you are going to go to the effort of um, designing and crafting out a carousel post on LinkedIn or on um, Instagram, the, the points made on the individual images in a carousel could, could maybe then turn into a thread that you could write out for um, Twitter thread. So I think it's, it is all about those nuances and features and, and how can you maximize the work that you do for one feature on one platform to still make it relevant to the other platform. Amy, do you feel like it's more important for people or organizations to be consistent with their publishing schedule or or consistent with their topic? Oh, that's a really good question because <laughs> I feel like I should say should say both. I think that if you are wanting to become known, so if it's personal brand type content and you are really trying to become known for a particular um, topic and you're trying to control that personal brand, perhaps you're wanting to um, start to get more speaking engagements and things like that and you want to stand out for what you want to be known for, then staying on topic is so important because 
that is a big mistake that we see people make with a real scattergun approach to the messaging. So yes, they have a consistent schedule, like they're posting every Monday, Wednesday and Friday. That's a consistent schedule, but the messaging is all over the place. So the people who follow them, if they were asked, what would you go to this person for help with or what would you go to them if you wanted them to speak about something or present to your audience? They would say, oh, I don't actually really know because they seem to speak about lots of different things. I'm not really sure exactly what problem they could solve and help me with. So that's not really solving anything, is it? That's consistently putting out fairly scattergun messaging. So I think if you're trying to control your messaging, then that is really, really important for thought leadership style content, more important than consistently having more scattergun messaging. But obviously the ideal is that you have consistent messaging and a consistent schedule as well. But I'd say the messaging, if you are putting yourself out there and wanting to become known for something very specific. Are you seeing any trends in regards to how you get to that topical content? Obviously, a, the topic that a that a social media person is going to talk to you about their brand or, or product or service is going to be very much in and around that. But there are ways of getting to it. You know, do you use a, a, a personal story about the, the social practitioner? Do you use a, a, a story about a customer, kind of a use case or a case study? Or do you use another device? Are you seeing any trends, Amy, in how successful practitioners are kind of getting to the story uh, with their messages and their posts? I can't say that I've particularly seen like anything that works extremely well, because I think I see lots of different things work well. But, you know, the storytelling aspect, I think um, also building in with social with, with proof like social proof so I guess as you mentioned kind of case studies and sharing things that have worked um, but w rather than sharing like a testimonial that somebody else has said kind of weaving in what somebody else has said with the story and what was the problem what were the challenges what was the solution what was the outcome so I feel like um that, you know, there does need to often be the storytelling, but usually when it is um, based on some kind of case study of something that happened in real life and how that problem was solved and, and sharing the background, you know, as I said, like the solution, the outcome, that kind of thing. But um, but I don't really think that there's like, you know, one size fits all approach for that, really, because I guess it really does depend on industry and niche and, um, and who else is putting out messages and how different you want to come across as well. From a brand standpoint, if you're an organization, a company that's trying to create a broader set of content, participate in, in more social networks um, with atomized content and the kind of work that you do at Content 10X, similar to what we were talking about a moment ago with consistency, do you believe that it works better if you've got the same face, right? That it's the same person, even though it's company content, uh, but it's it's Amy of Content 10X as opposed to a rotating cast of characters from within um, the brand itself? I think it's a really challenging one. And sometimes it, it depends on, I guess, the size of the organization. And um, I guess quite often when we work with businesses and we are embarking on perhaps launching a podcast or something like that, that's one of the key questions I ask, which is, is there a personal brand focus to this? And is it going to be the same person from your organization who is going to be, you know, the host of this show and the face of the show? Or are you looking at it, you know, as more of a like broader leadership team and going to mix it up and things like that? 
And um, I find with some of the bigger organizations, they'll usually say, no, we don't really want a personal brand focus to this. We don't feel that we need it. And we really want you to go in on the brand of us as an organization. And we're going to put forward maybe, you know, four or five different people from our leadership team on rotation that are going to get involved in this show. And then I feel that when it's the, I guess, like the smaller organizations like, like myself, like Content 10X is a small agency, that's the, usually where they'll say, look, we think you need to have more of a personal brand play because when we're competing against the competitors and bigger organizations, it's the personal brand that's going to make way more of a difference because we'd be like, Brand to brand, it's hard for us to compete from a corporate sense, but the personal brand side is our differentiator. So I feel like from a business perspective, it's if they um, if they feel like the, the personal brand is going to be that differentiator and going to help them, usually the bigger organizations don't really feel like it's that big of a differentiator unless the strategic play for the video series or the podcast or something that we work on, the strategic play is deliberately because they are trying to put someone forward um, as a, a leader in a particular topic in their industry. Amy, you mentioned uh, that your organization, Content 10X, is a small organization. I would say a smaller. You are mm -hmm. blessed with a lot of different resources. And one of the things I think you talked about when you were on the show previously was how the organization has a management team, you have a creative team and a writing team. And I want to take a couple of things that you said and ask you kind of how you're looking and prioritizing those teams, because I think it is a indicator perhaps of where we're going. When you look at your team, specifically the creative team, and I'm going to assume that the creative team is more visually focused and your writing team more focused on writing. As you look towards the coming year, where do you see more work and effort and need of your clients? Are you going to be creating more video content or is the word still king at Content 10X? I think the word is, is still king even when you're creating the video content and podcast content and things like that because uh, because you still need the words, don't you? You still need the uh, the the content that promotes that so this the words that go with the videos this podcast show notes the video descriptions the seo play all of that so i think that um you know that from from how we're structured the writing team is so critical to everything that we do because when we are repurposing video content or audio content it always starts with the writing team because the writing team consume the content and then they will write what you know they will come up with the tweets the social content they'll pick out the teasers they'll write blog posts there's loads and loads and loads and loads of writing that takes place and then the creative team will let will get their hands onto our plans and then turn anything that the writing team have decided would be good creative content and then they will start creating you know all of the other uh, social content aside from doing the audio production and video editing and things like that so i think that you know, everything that we put out usually is accompanied by words apart from um, like things like TikTok content and Reels content and things like that. And I think that that is, is so, so, so important. But um, from the other mediums and where I see the most, I guess, um, 
the the most content aside from the written word it's it's the video it's video content but people realizing more that with video content if they want to also create audio content as well it's there as long as it's structured and formatted in such a way that you can use the audio content but I see you know real 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 heavy video play but to us like words words is everything like the written word is everything <laughs> Amy obviously even since we've started working together on the show which has been a few years now there are a lot more podcasts I don't have the exact number but it's a lot do you feel like that competition for the ear makes it harder to break through with a podcast and the kind of amplification assets that you make? Or is it easier to succeed with a podcast just because more people are listening to podcasts? Yeah, it's a really um, interesting question. I think that Apple say that there's about 2 million or so podcasts now, don't they? And um, wow. that is a lot of podcasts, although the, the statistic on how many of them Seven are good ones, dormant. but there's 2 million shows. <laughs> exactly, yeah. There's a lot of dormant shows and a lot that you know have, have finished or aren't that good and that kind of thing. I think that, um, yeah, there's more people listening to podcasts, although the, the Edison research report that came out this year, I think, said still that it's around three in 10 people that regularly on a weekly basis are listening to podcasts. Yeah. That's high. Core listeners, yep. Yeah, 30%. exactly. Um, so it's still a minority format, isn't it? It's still minority yeah. if it's only, and that's an adult US audience. So a progressive in the content world as well as an audience. So um, yeah, there's more, but it's still minority. And then there are loads and loads more podcasts. But I think what I see is that that therefore means that when you're planning your con your podcast, it should be super niche. I think these days, I think it really needs to have, um, or niche niche. <laughs> it really needs to have that um specific angle. I think when when people are launching very broad shows now, without the niche aspect and without a niche audience, that's when it gets really hard. And you know, you are competing then against the the bigger brands as well and shows that have been going for a while and have loads of budget and things like that so as long as you are really niche and you potentially have an audience already that you can kind of gain some traction already from and do the repurposing of that and do the marketing I still think it's a shame if people say it's just saturated now and there's no point and there's too many and things like that but um but but it's all about what your topic is and I think what your audience is and um, the niche of the better, really. I couldn't agree more with that. In fact, we are fast approaching our 500th episode celebration. We actually just crossed 500 episodes, uh, I believe, mathematically. But our celebration will be on December 22nd. Adam, myself, Anna will be talking about the history of the show. We'll talk about some things that have changed in social media since the show began in January 2012, but we had a staff meeting at Convince and Convert the other day, and we were writing a companion ebook that all of you will get access to about the history of the show and why it's been successful. And you nailed it, Amy. We, we said, hey, this is a very popular show. It could probably be a more popular show if we weren't as, as niche, right? But we've always said, hey, let's, let's be the show for people, uh, mostly on the brand side, uh, who, who really are doing this every day professionally. Uh, and and we never strayed from that across almost ten years, and I think there's definitely um, some some wisdom there that, in retrospect, uh, has served the show well. Yeah, I think that it depends on what your 
intentions are of the podcast and and you know if you are launching a podcast now and you want to be the next uh, Joe Rogan then that's going to be challenging if you if podcasting is your profession and you want that to be your job and you want to get a salary from the show um but if you like what we do is we have businesses and we have podcasts as a content marketing arm to our business then there's other intentions behind just listeners like that's not just what we're looking for and um, there's so many other benefits to having a podcast and I think that a lot of organizations just need to um, look at what is the what would be the return on investment from this it's not podcast downloads necessarily because quite often people who we work with they want to have conversations with people that they wouldn't necessarily um maybe get to have conversations with if it wasn't for the fact that they had a podcast so it is a networking opportunity and it can be a business therefore network leading to business opportunity they want to have more content so they see that if they have pillar pieces of content be it podcasts that can then become content that feeds social channels and their blog and things like that then you have to look at the ROI of all of the additional content as well as the pillar piece that you created Um, and maybe it's again positioning yourself as a thought leader some people we work with have managed to get all sorts of speaking engagements and things like that because people were considering them as a speaker so went to listen to how they presented themselves and spoke and how articulate they were on the show and then decided to um, give them an opportunity to speak at their events sure. things like that there's so much ROI aside from um, podcast downloads that yes maybe you're not going to see um, thousands or tens of thousands of podcast downloads but as we said if it's super niche you shouldn't be aiming for that anyway um but i know it might sound controversial to say this but if you had a podcast and barely anybody listened to it but then you could still say that from my podcast i've had like 10 new clients this year who who does it matter if nobody listened to the podcast (laughs) like and you got loads more content from it so it's not get it's getting stuck on the right metrics isn't it and knowing how to measure the right metrics and what you're going into to this for in the first place. We've been very fortunate to have a lot of sponsors on the show, including Salesforce for many, many years. Uh, That puts us certainly in the minority of podcasts. And as I always tell folks who are looking to start a show, if your strategy, if your business model is you're going to make a bunch of money on ads, you're probably not. It's possible, but you're probably not. Um, It's it's unlikely that that's going to be your ticket uh, to, to riches. But I couldn't agree more, Amy. Um, there's a lot of other rationales to do a show than just, hey, do we have a sponsorable uh, yeah. inventory? And I should mention, I should have said this to the outset, if you want to know more about how to take your content and make it really effective in social media, and since you listen to this show, chances are you do, you absolutely need to dial up Amy's show, the Content 10X podcast. It's fantastic, super useful. You'll learn a lot. Put it in your podcast player wherever you listen to your delicious audio programming. Thank Adam you. Brown, over to you. Amy, it, it, it sounds as though you would be a huge proponent for social media practitioners doing lots of different things to consider doing a podcast with uh, aforementioned, you know, uh, kind of guides. And, and obviously your podcast speaks very much to this, to anybody who's considering that. I'm curious where else you would have social media practitioners begin to consider you know, we've seen several, even audio uh, type of exercises kind of rise and 
start down the other path like clubhouse uh this <laughs> year uh certainly video content still huge but again trying to get eyeballs to it uh always you know more and more challenging and that's where an organization like contact 10x can help with with search and, and other efforts what what down the looking glass would you tell a social media practitioner at a medium to large to large size company or brand to start reconsidering uh is it tiktok is it something else where should they start to invest? Well, I do think that there's a lot to be said for um, trying to master the skill of micro video content. So so the type of content that is out there on TikTok and on Instagram Reels, I, I think that people are really enjoying the creativity that we see on those platforms. And um, we saw the rise of TikTok and the rise of, of Instagram Reels, which really interested me from the point of view of um, it being more led by creative and content FOMO as opposed to social FOMO. Um, because it would, you know, it used to be you would go to social media um, to see what people you knew were up to and see that they were going for this nice meal or something. And you'd be, re- you'd have FOMO about that and you'd hear about your friends doing things and things like that. And it was all like social. So you went to see what people you knew um, we're getting up to socially and interacting with them. Whereas on those platforms, that it's it's content FOMO, and it's um, it's actually often that you're going to see people that you've never met before and probably never will meet in your life. But you want to see that content and you want to see the creativity. And so it's two different things, like the content FOMO and the social FOMO. And I find it interesting how that's changed. How often do you go to social media now um, and get that FOMO from things that your friends doing because I, I, that doesn't exist for me really anymore. I'm just going. Well, and content. what are the chances you're even going to be able to find your friends' posts? Exactly. It's such a, it's such yeah. a mess there. You don't. You know. You might you might see Adam, and that's like, oh, Adam's doing a thing. That's cool. But you don't know that you can for sure find Adam when you log in. It's changed completely, hasn't it? Like that whole way that it works, and therefore the type. It's it's all generally FOMO led, isn't it? Like all the platforms, really, it's all FOMO led and it has completely changed in that way and so I think that those content platforms do really well because of that it is content focused and it is creator led so if you're in organizations that have an appetite for and an interest in being creative with short form video content and I don't mean um, that you have to be dancing and lip syncing and uh, like all of all of that kind of content that's really popular because we've Thank seen God, because <laughs> Adam and I neither dance nor lip sync with any degree of uh, authority. I'm sure you can, <laughs> um, but you don't need to, do you? We see all sorts of um, all sorts of brands and, and different people doing really well on those platforms. And um, there's businesses, there's brands, there's uh, podcasts. I'm not not audiograms and things like that. That wouldn't work because that's not going to work on a platform like Reels or TikTok. But um, I, I do think that if there's an appetite to, to be creative and start looking at how can you um, create micro content, and I still think that it could it should be based on pillar pieces of content. So you are going to create a, a report that's going to go out, you've done some research, or you are going to do a white paper or an epic cornerstone blog post or a, a, a video or something like that. And looking at the research findings and the points that were made and the tips and the advice and things like that, 
and working out how you can break that down into lots of small chunks and then create some of these micro videos to go out onto those types of platforms. I, I think if there's an appetite to do that, then that's definitely something that I would be um hammering on about in the meetings in these organizations if I was in the social teams, I think. Quick departure question, but is it, isn't it interesting, Amy, that we're sitting here talking so much about micro video here in 2021. Have you ever wondered why Twitter got rid of Vine? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's mad, isn't it? You had a thing and you got rid of a thing. Yeah. Do you yep. think they're kicking themselves? Because it's funny, isn't it, how they um, they have Twitter Spaces now, which is their version of Clubhouse, isn't it? And I noticed on my app the other day that they've put Spaces really front and centre now. Like they, I got a little pop up, and it's right there in the middle, just in time. Yeah, right it's on funny, trend. Isn't it? <laughs> That's what yeah. I was thinking. It was like, hmm, this is they interesting. They picked the wrong horse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, but then you know, Twitter did Fleets, which was their version of stories wasn't it and they were bold enough to get rid of fleets because they came and they went didn't they um but now now spaces yeah and then vine <laughs> yeah that's that's gone <laughs> i really like this idea amy of content fomo versus social fomo I, i'm gonna mull that uh, i really like that that positioning um last question for you you've got lots of different clients who who are trying to do lots of different things and your team's trying to talk them off the ledge or talk them onto the ledge, depending on who they are and what their circumstances are. Do you have an anecdote for us of something that you and your team definitely thought would work and then just totally didn't work? Ooh, something that we thought would work and didn't work. Um, I mean, we've... Other than the Social Pros podcast, is there some <laughs> other, is there a second story right now? now? Oh, I don't. The, the things that I think um, like sometimes haven't worked for us have more been um, down certain routes that we've gone with new clients where um, you've just had a bit of a, a red flag that perhaps this wasn't a great idea. And, and, then, and, then, and then it turned out you should have not ignored that red flag and it wasn't a great idea. Um, oh, I, I wish I had a really great story of something that didn't work, but I think we like it's probably quite a dull answer but it's just when there's no strategy and I think it comes right back to what you were asking me earlier about um being on point with message and being consistent with your messaging versus just having this um completely uh, kind of scattergun messaging but being dead consistent and I think that when we've just seen things fall a bit flat it's where there's um somebody who is keen on getting lots of content out but actually uh not really strategic with what the messaging is and it's all a little bit all over the place and so there's lots going out but nobody could really still kind of pin down what you would actually go to them for or get help from or anything like that so i think it's more of a um real scattergun messaging pumping out lots of content but without the the core focus on the message but um there's nothing that's like massively like platform-wise or any fall, falling flat on its face apart from, you know, obviously live streams that go wrong. <laughs> like, so that's yeah. like, that's like working with kids, working with pets and working with live streams, isn't it? That... <laughs> <laughs> 
Those are the three rules. No kids, no pets, no live streams. Yeah, that's, definitely that's, that's not good. kids and yeah. pets in a live stream. That doesn't work. <laughs> that's fantastic. Amy, we're going to ask you the two questions. As you know, we ask everybody here on the show, including you, uh, when you've been on the show in the past. Today, what one tip would you give somebody who's looking to become a social pro? So I think that if you are working in a company um, in the social media area, then I really recommend making sure that you always have a seat at the table in the content team discussions overall, because we're finding quite often that the content marketing teams will be making decisions on big pieces of content like, uh, like white papers and reports and uh, articles and things like that. And then when things are created, kind of throw it over to the social team and say, make some social content out of this. Whereas my, my big tip is to really fight to always have a seat at the table, always, when big pillar content strategies and content pieces are being discussed and agreed for the, for the business. Because if you can feed in at those early stages and have a say in how that content is created to begin with, then you'll have so many more opportunities to make awesome, like repurpose social content from it. Um, than unfortunately just being given something after the after the after the creation and saying I think yeah. some social content can come from this. So just always make sure that you're in the discussion and you're in the um and you go with a social hat on and a platform hat on and 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 work out how they can create better content to begin with for social repurposing. That's great advice. And I would say Adam, we're seeing that more and more, I think, from guests on the program, right? Where the the social team and some of these medium and large size companies we talked to on the show really are there from the genesis. And that's fantastic to see. Yeah. It's, you see the marketing team begin to get the seat at the table with the, the CEO. And yeah. I think the social team is is very quickly moving to become a, a point position uh, within the marketing and communications, customer service, and even crisis communication organizations. Absolutely. Amy Woods, who's the founder of Content 10X, listen to her show, Content 10X Podcast. She and her team do all the hard work here for social pros. Amy, last question uh, for you. If you could do a video call with any living person, who would it be? So it's, it's, it's living. That's what I was wondering, actually, when I was thinking about this. I was, Is it living or not? Um, it, so I'll give you like the social pros podcast answer and then the truth answer right now. The, pod, the social pros podcast answer is I would really like to do um, a call or more meet in person. Um, James Corden, um, host of the Late Late Show and like big TV um, presenter here in the UK, which I know is not everybody's cup of tea. I know he hasn't gone down that well with everyone. Um, just because <laughs> I um, think he's, I really like him. He's really funny. Um, and I think he's, he is really awesome at coming up with concepts for TV shows and segments within shows. And he knows what works with audiences. And I just think we would have a, a laugh and a good chat. Um, and then when I was thinking about this just before I came on the show, the actual honest answer at this moment in time is I would love to speak to the person who sold me a dining table for immediate delivery two weeks ago and I paid for it and it hasn't been delivered and it's been two weeks and no one will let me speak to the head of customer service at this company. Um, and so if I could have a call with the head of customer services at the company that 
failed on immediate delivery because it's been two weeks now and it's never arrived, then that would be my second answer. <laughs> I love both of those answers. Uh, <laughs> and they're they're redefining the definition of immediate uh, yes. delivery. <laughs> it's, it's somewhere between 15 and 30 days, also known as immediate delivery. It's like open 24 hours, but not all at once. You yeah, probably exactly. don't have time to determine why you needed an immediate new dining table. But, um, you know, and, and friends, if you're listening to the show and you happen to have a, a table laying around <laughs> and you're somewhere uh, in, are you, are you the Midlands? Is that the, what is it? it yeah. It's uh, it's Manchester and it was, a, it was in, it was an in-store, um, you know, by the display model. So every yes. day that well, that you doesn't think arrive they in my then. house. Like someone's yeah. going to just scratch it, aren't they, in the store? Yeah. Because, no. Anyway. All right. Our <laughs> social post audience in Manchester, uh, <laughs> if you've got a table, uh, send me an email and uh, yeah. I'll hook you up with Amy and, and we'll make everything right. That's the kind of giving that we do here at the Social Pros Podcast. Partially thanks <laughs> to Amy and her team. Really appreciate you coming back on the show. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks to, to Harry and the whole crew over there for all the great work that they do on our behalf also. Thank you so much for having me. It's been awesome. We'll do it again. I am Jay Bear from Convince and Convert. He is the one, the only Adam Brown from Salesforce. This is hopefully your favorite podcast in the entire world. This has been the Social Pros Podcast. As mentioned, our big 500th episode anniversary celebration, uh, December 22nd. Uh, tune in for more details on that soon. We'll see you next time right here on Social Pros. Social Pros.